Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. People believe different things. And so knowing who Christ is, so important. You need to know who Christ is. That needs to be settled in your heart. He's God. He's God's son. He came to this earth. He was pre-existent before he was born in Bethlehem. He was not created by the Father. He has always been. Some people say, what about in the Bible where it says the firstborn of all creation, speaking of Jesus? The word firstborn means first bearer of all creation. He was the first initiator of all things that are made. In fact, John tells us that all things were made by him and without him not anything that is made is made. So in God's mind and in the triune being of God, we find that Jesus Christ was the architect and the builder of everything that we know. I like that. And and this little caveat, this is free. The first miracle that we find recorded for us in Scripture is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, we all agree to that. The first miracle Jesus did here on... And by the way, it says all things were made by Him, without Him anything made. So the first miracle Jesus did, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus was the architect, He's the one that did it. John says all things were made by Him. Now, what's important, the first miracle that Jesus did here on this earth is he did what? He turned the water to wine. Now, you say, why is that important? And I've listened to long exposés. Was the wine alcoholic? Was it not? All I can tell you is the guests said it was. In fact, they said this. Most people bring out the best wine at first. And when everyone is well drunk, then they bring out the good stuff. When everyone's well drank, then they bring out the inferior product because people, I don't care, I just drink it. You know, I don't know. Okay? When Jesus, and and I love what Mary, Jesus' mother said, (laughs) you know, I mean, this was a weird thing. Jesus said, what is it to me to provide, you know, wine for this wedding? And what was amazing about that is Mary said, whatever Jesus tells you to do, do that. And they did. And we remember they got the pots of water, these big pots of water, and Jesus turned the water to wine. But here, friends, is what's amazing. Jesus took something that was immediately new, water, and turned it into something that appeared to be old. It takes time to make wine. You remember that little commercial years ago, a little guy come out, we will serve no wine before it's time. Why? It takes time to age. It takes time to ferment. And yet Jesus took something new, water, and made it appear to be old. Now, that to me is significant. Because in our minds, old is bad. But in God's mind, maybe old isn't bad. Uh, think about 
the geological issues on our planet where our evolutionary, and I don't want to say they're scientists because there's no science about it, evolutionary belief system, because that's all it is, says the world is billions of years old. And oftentimes Christians have a hard time refuting that because we go, well, yeah, it does seem that it would be older than it says that it is. Well, we know the earth went through a catastrophic change uh, during the flood. Something major changed on this earth. I believe that's where probably the continental drifts and all these things came apart. The earth broke apart before the flood. They named a kid after it. The name was Peleg. Uh, that's weird that they would name this kid the day the earth broke apart. Okay, that's that'll cause you to remember it. Uh, anyway... But we know after the flood is a different world. And so understanding that, I believe that God could have created many things already aged. Maybe that's where the oil came from in the earth. Maybe that's where a lot of these things. The first miracle that Jesus did was to create the heavens and the earth. The first miracle he did on earth was take something new, water, and make it appear to be old. Just throw that in there. Verse 40 again. Therefore, again, your change. Many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, truly, this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. When the Christ comes out of Galilee, will it be a prophet come out of Galilee? That's what they were were talking about. We're going to get into that in just a moment as we move up here a little farther. Now, they wanted to take him and seize him. But his time had not yet come. We talked about being invincible for all of us, not just the two prophets in in Jerusalem, but all of us until our time comes. And when our time comes, our time is up. If that's the day that our heart stops or the day that we're captured and challenged for Christ, that's the day we're going to have to do that. People oftentimes have said things like, well, I, I don't know if I'll have enough strength if I had to die for Jesus. I think it's really great what was said to Corey Ten Boom when her father took her down to the train station. He gave her the ticket when it was time to get on the train. Don't worry about those things now. Just stay faithful to Jesus. God will give you the ticket when the time comes. And I think that's really important. Then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees, who said to them, Why have you not literally arrested him and brought him to us, is what they were saying. The officer answered, the officers answered and said, no man ever spoke spoke like this man. It's kind of funny that they came to arrest Jesus and Jesus' words arrested them. Then the Pharisees answered them, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? Now, at this point, they were taking an inventory to find out if there were defectors among the Sanhedrin here. Asking if any of them were believers in Christ Jesus. And they remark, this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. In other words, they said, well, if they believe in Jesus, they're a curse because they don't know the law. Well, had they known the Bible, see, notice they referred back to it, those that don't know the law are accursed. Why did they say that? Because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, 
during this festival of the festival of booths, and again, to remind them all of how God provided for them when they came out of Egypt, the priest pouring the water on the altar, Jesus speaking that he was the water, uh, and the, out of him shall come rivers of living water. And so, well, they're just deceived because they don't know the law. You know, it's funny that here Jesus actually is the one that fulfilled the law. And so he says, uh, they said, and again, they don't know the law, they're a curse. Jesus told somebody to work on the Sabbath and he himself was working on the Sabbath. Verse 50, Nicodemus. Now here he reappears from chapter th- 3. He who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, speaking of a Pharisee, he came to Jesus by night. It mentions it not only in John 3, but also here. Came to him by night. Why night? Well, maybe that's what time the whistle blew. He punched his time card and was able to leave. Some people believe it might have been by night to cover his identity that he didn't want the other priest to know that he was actually going and talking to Jesus using the cover of night for that. But Nicodemus, interestingly enough, speaks up here. He said to them, verse 51, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? Here, Nicodemus is trying to reason with the Pharisees. Saying, literally, what has he done? you're you're judging him all over him healing an individual. Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? Verse 52. And they answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Now this screams their illiteracy concerning spiritual things. First, we find that Jonah was from the Galilee. The second was Nahum, the prophet, which the book in the Old Testament is named after. There were two that came out of Galilee. But here's what's important. Jesus was from Bethlehem, not from the Galilee. Bethlehem is only three miles from Jerusalem. The Galilee is up north. So what is amazing here, they didn't know where Jesus was from. Second of all, they didn't know their own prophets' originations. Whether it be Jonah, which a book in the Old Testament is named after, or Nahum, which a book in the Old Testament is named after. Both of those were from the region of Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. Now, we go back a little bit here. And it says that they, Jesus was speaking, but no one stopped him from speaking. Why is that? I believe it was the wisdom of God in him. That when they would open their mouth to say something, that Jesus could refute it with Scripture. We need to be able to do that. I think that's really important. Making 
good defense for your faith. How do you know you believe right? I mean, have you ever wondered that? How, how do I know the Bible wasn't just written by a bunch of really clever guys back in some closet someplace and they came up with all this? I think it's a good question. Now, we don't want to sound like a 57 Chevy with a blown out muffler. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Why do you believe? Is there evidence for your faith? Yes. I don't have to put my brain in neutral when I come into church. There is evidence for our faith. What is the first evidences that we have for our faith in the Bible and in God's Word? Well, first of all, we have the archaeological records. They have found the widow's might. They have found the city of Jericho. They found the Red Sea. They have found Jordan River. They have found Jerusalem. They have found the evidence for the Bible archaeologically is outstanding. In fact, the Smithsonian Institute about 25 years ago came out with a letter and they said that the Bible is one of the most accurate books they have in antiquities concerning historical things. Now, of course, the Smithsonian incident wasn't going to get into all the spiritual applications of things, but they said it is the most accurate that they have in antiquities. Uh, in other words, the battles that were fought, the, 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 the record of the, who the different uh, Caesars were, Caesar Nero, and all, it's all right, recorded in the Bible, and they find it. It's amazing. We have a video that's available. You can check it out, I think. Uh, I'd have to talk to Esther. She probably knows, or Mark. Um, but they found four-spoke Egyptian chariot wheels in the bottom of the Red Sea. Four-spoke chariot wheels were unique to the dynasty in which Moses was in Egypt. Different dynasties, different pharaohs, different your model of cars have different features. And they would change the spoke design, the chariot design from eon to eon, but four spoke ones were unique to Moses' generation and they're in the bottom of the Red Sea. No one knows how they got there. We do, but they don't know how they got there. There's evidence for your faith. That's good. I talked to people in different... Oh, by the way, uh, with that, the Smithsonian Institute also issued a letter concerning the Book of Mormon. If anybody's a Mormon, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just telling you the truth. I'll give you the letter from them. It says they find little or no relevance to history and the subject matter of this book. They can't find the great river Sidon that flows northward. If you know your Book of Mormon, you know what I'm talking about. They can't find any of the coinage. They can't find any of the cities. They can't find any of the Jewish records that according to the Jaredites who came across the sea in barges because God would never use a murder when Moses murdered the Egyptian guard. Therefore, there had to be a different thing. And so the Jaredites got in the barges and flowed over and came over and they built a house in Nauvoo down in, down in Georgia someplace. And anyway, the story goes on and on. The problem is there's no Hebrew records of anybody in the United States at that time. 
And so they say that, well, the American Indians are descendants of the Jews. We have a video available as well called DNA versus the Book of Mormon. The American Indians are not descendants of Jewish background. They are descendants of Asians. So in the same evidence that you would use in a court of law, evidence for who somebody is, their book fails the test. But the Bible says that and gives us record of the people of the nation of Israel, the city, the towns, the coinage and streams, we have that. Second, we have prophecy. That's pretty astounding. That the Bible would say that the days that we live in were headed for a one world order with a one world monetary system. All these different things that we can see on the horizon that the new world order is trying to achieve. Just what the Bible says. The Bible said that Israel would become a nation again. I read uh, Matthew Henry's commentary. It's kind of fun to read these commentaries that were written in 1700. Because it said, Matthew Henry writes, he says, it appears that the nation of Israel will become a nation again. However, it no longer exists. Scattered, I don't see how this could ever be. Israel, Jerusalem exists today, right where the Bible says it would be. Incredible how God does that. So if God knows where we've all been, historically speaking, if God knows where we're all going in the future, even predicting Jerusalem would be under control of the the Jews again, which even when Jesus made that prediction, it was under control of the Romans and never returned back to the control of the Jews until 1967. We can trust him today. Evidence for our faith, the source of wisdom, not only for spiritual things, but every single thing we do. God is the source of wisdom and knowledge. Well, when no one could arrest him, no one really knew what to do with Jesus, verse 53, and everyone went to his own house. Basically saying, ah, give up. We'll talk about Jesus going to the Mount of Olives and praying next week. How important it is to be and separate ourselves from all the noise of the day and just get back and spend some time with God. So important. You see, there's evidence for faith. What do we do with what we know of God? Have we accepted him as Savior? What he said we needed to do? Out of your belly shall come rivers of living water. What comes out of yes? Or is it really good? Is it life? Well, the Bible says, if you're an empty vessel, God will pour into you. First, if you acknowledge you're an empty vessel. Second of all, if you want him to fill you with his spirit. And then walk in his wisdom. So important. If you've never done that, we're going to pray. The Bible says we repent. That means we turn away from what we used to establish ourselves in being. What makes you, you? I think that's an important question. Well, I drive this kind of car. I'm in this club. I'm a member of this social gathering. 
I've done this. I've got a PhD in animal psychology. I've got this. I've got that all is what we sometimes in the world will use to describe who we are. But when we come to Christ, none of those things matter. And when we come to Christ, it's who he says we are. Now, what does God say we are? All of sin come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. We're sinners. That's what God says. But God also says he loved us. He sent his son to reconcile us and that we can be his kids. I like that. So I'm not what I do. I am who he says I am. Big difference. Now, once you establish that in your life, You've just set yourself free from a life of manipulation. Manipulation says this. If you do this, we'll love you. If you do this, you'll be loved. If you wash your teeth with shiny bright, you'll be kissed. If you do all these different things. And the Bible says if we come to him, he says, I love you. You're my child. And once that's established, God kind of Teflon coats us to the attacks of the world saying, well, unless you do this, or unless you buy that, or unless you believe this, or unless you embrace that, those things bounce off because I'm already who I am in Christ. If you don't know who you are in Jesus, you need to. The Bible says we admit we're sinners. And then we accept his forgiveness. And then we ask him to fill us with his Holy Spirit so that not only does his God come into us, But God comes out of us instead of all the other nasty things that used to come out of our mouth. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray. You pray out loud if you want. Maybe you saints help them along. And let's pray. And let's just ask God to change lives, not only here, but on the radio as well. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I come to you in Jesus' name and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. From this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I believe you died on the cross for me. Your blood covered my sins. So now I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Change me. Open my eyes to your truth. And remind me every day I belong to you. And thank you for everlasting life. And so now, May I always remember I'm a child of yours. Keep me in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at the River Christian Fellowship com slash it's time on behalf of pastor mike and the rest of us here at the river christian fellowship thank you for listening and tune in next time for it's time <laughs>